We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. We are without Tim. Uh, Nick is joining us on the phone. Well, me and Boss on the phone. Oh, boy. What a day today. So we have half a Nick. Half a Nick. Nah, you got you got all of me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I had to go to the DMV, and for those of you that have been to the DMV in the past, that is what we call a night course. <laughs> that place is literally hell on earth. It's like a black hole. Yo, you, you, I got in, and you know how they give you, you got to go into the kiosk, and they give you like a, a ticket number with a letter? Yeah. I got in. It was uh, C330. I was C three seven zero. I was like, "Oh boy!" Oh my god, dude! And they were calling one person to the window that had to do with C, and it was the worst. I hate it. I yep. hate that place more than I hate that place more than the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> that place is a black hole. Be prepared any day. You're spending a full day there. I'm you, su- you, le- you legit are. Yeah. It's no like, lie. I'm kind of surprised you made it back in time to be to be with us. I actually got blessed. I didn't spend as much time as I thought, but I did text you guys saying that there's no way I'd be able to drive into the studio. Yeah. Night, night. Bedtime. Yeah, let's move on. The DMV sucks. <laughs> uh, let's talk about, before we get into our show, I just wanted to bring up uh, LeBron's comments on Frank Nidikina. Well, it was more so Dennis Smith than... Well, Frank. yeah. Then- He's, he was saying how Dennis Smith uh, should have been a Nick and that the, the Knicks fucked up, yeah. essentially. And should have taken him. Yeah, I mean, whatever, dude. Like, your team is like, why? Time out. Why is, like, LeBron, why does he care about that? I don't know. Like, why? Dude, your team is struggling, right? You got so many issues to worry about with the Cavs. Your impending free agency. I'm sure you have a ton of other questions that people want to hear about that are more important than hearing you say Dennis Smith should be a Nick. Like, dude, as, as a Nick fan, as someone who lives in New York, I'm perfectly fine with... The French Prince, Frank, <laughs> and his defense and what he brings. Sure, he can't shoot yet, but that you know that's fine. Like he's 19 playing in the NBA, and he looks the part so far as a rookie. He's holding all. He's passing the ball. He's racking up assists left and right. Perfect guy for like Porzingis to play with, or to even for the Knicks to get out in transition with. So, yes, Dennis Smith, who I know Nick actually was super high on, and even when we were in Vegas, he was talking about how he that's his Roy pick, but um. I mean, dude, sure you can say that. Like, at the time, I was saying that. I'm sure a ton of Knicks fans were saying, like, yo, how do you pass up on this kid Smith? But LeBron, what do you what do you care for? Why do you need feel the need to comment on that? And we're chilling, I feel like. Seven and five. We're like, you know what the I mean? Knicks are and playing we, good ball. Exactly. We're good. 
It's not, not like we're fucking struggling and we're like, oh, we fucked up with that pick. It's like, like yo, we look better than we have in yeah, years. Those are two franchise pieces, I feel, so far. I mean, it's early yet for Frank, but he looks the part. That's all I'll say about Frank. So, like, the Mavericks are last in the West. They're 2-12. and 12. So, I know that team is not really that good, but he does have the highest usage rate on that team. Um, I'm a big fan of Dennis Jr. Uh, I've mentioned it in the past. Uh, but I kind of like Frank. I learned after the Porzingis stuff, and I know, Joe, you still get tweets about how, <laughs> you know, you bash Porzingis. And we just, uh, we were all as Knicks fans and as NBA fans just ignorant because we knew nothing about him. We immediately judged him and put him in that Euro stereotype. And now I've been on the record to say that there's no one in the NBA outside of Giannis I trade for, that, you know, in, in favor of Porzingis. Um, I like Frank, though, man. He's, like Boss said, defensively, he's pretty solid. He'll probably play a decade in the league as a starter just because of his defensive intensity. And he's coming into his own. And I'm happy with it. LeBron should just worry about the Cavs. The Cavs right now in the Eastern Conference are... Behind the Knicks, actually, believe it or not. Yeah. If the playoffs were to start right now, they would be the ninth seed and out of the playoffs. And there's just a lot of issues with that team. I think he should worry about his own team. Yeah, he came out today because they're well, we're recording Monday, so he's he's in New York today. They're playing the Knicks tonight, and uh, he was saying it was more of a dig at Phil Jackson, and he was just shitting on Phil Jackson basically after like defending that comment. You know, basically about the whole mellow treatment and all that stuff. So, I mean, I know, like, he has history with Dennis Smith. That's his boy since Smith was younger and he used to go to his camps or some shit. So, I think that's why. And, hey, if I feel like he made that comment, dude, what if LeBron was considering New York? You ever think about that? Porzingis, yep. his boy Smith. Like, that's the only reason I think I fucking, that's the only reason that came to mind why he would say that. When I first heard that, I'm like, yo, he wanted to be a Nick, LeBron. But now it's like, uh, it's, it's over. Yo, boss, so I feel you on that. And, like, I don't want to put this out there so no one gets their hopes up, but if I was LeBron, wouldn't you have the Knicks on your priority list instead of the Lakers? Like, the Knicks right now, right, they're 7-5. and five. The Lakers are 5-8, and eight, but you got Porzingis, you got, uh, you got Frank. I feel like that's a better one-two punch than what the Lakers have, and everyone's just penciling him in going to L.A., yeah. Imagine if he won, yo! Imagine if he won a championship with the Knicks. That would be insane. Yo, he'd be a hero. He could play two years here, win one ring. He he'd be a, a Nick legend for life. Yo, he'd be higher. He'd be held up higher than uh, Patrick Ewing. Yeah, yeah, he would easily. Even if, I feel like even if he didn't win a ring, <laughs> nah, nah. If he didn't, nah, nah, nah. nah. If he came and, and won a championship in New York, and that goes for anybody, if you win a championship in New York, especially for the Knicks. I think that they would they would retire everything. They name the everything after you. Like, yeah, you'd be a hero. Yeah, you yeah, you'd have your own parade down the canyon of heroes. That'd be insane. Um. Anyway, let's let's move forward here. Let's talk about some college hoops. Hype. College, Boss is hype. Very rare college hoop segment, especially early in the season. Is we back? Yeah, you know I'm saying. Uh, we not ha- March yet. Nope, but we still got not yet. We got some months before that, but we got some we got some basketball here. We have a, a one versus two matchup. Uh, we got Duke versus Michigan State. Boss, I know you're going to be tuning into this. Absolutely, who double do you, header two in Chicago. Who, I wish I was there for that. To be honest, who do you got in this game? I don't know. It's a matchup of the super softs, Michigan State. They're full of a ton of sophomores like Nick Ward, Miles Bridges, and uh, Cassius Winston. Kind of their big three over there. And uh, Duke starting four freshmen. How about that? You never saw that at Duke until the one-and-done era. Until Kyrie. Kyrie. You know what's crazy? Kyrie's their first one-and-done ever. Yeah. So it, sh- it shows you how much Coach K has kind of evolved to get in, in, in you know involved in the one-and-done game. I mean, you saw like guys like Okafor have been one-and-done, Jabari Parker and them. So Winslow. Winslow. Tyus Yo, Jones. Boss, boss, you bring up a good point because I remember – he was one of the more outspoken coaches that hated the one and done. And the reason why was his philosophy was, you know, a kid got to come and stay in school for three, four years until he started losing all these recruits to Kansas, to Kentucky, to all these other powerhouse teams that had coaches that were just 
accept that, you know what, I'm going to get Andrew Wiggins for a year, but you're not going to be able to get him. So he just started embracing that. Yeah, now he, he's got a top class, and Marvin Bagley, who could possibly be the top overall pick, who put up 24 and 10 and 25 and 10 in his first games. Um, Trayvon Duvall running the point, Gary Trent. And then you got the senior, Grayson Allen. So, you know, they have a pretty good starting five. And the bench isn't really all that. DeLaurier off the bench. He'll provide some sparks, some outside shooting. And Marcus Bolden, who hasn't really done anything. He's only a sophomore, but he was a top recruit last year. And he didn't really see the floor. So, but it's an interesting matchup, man. I like, I kind of like Mish State a bit. I like uh, Bridges, who could have been a top 10 pick last year, came back to school because he felt like there was more work to be done. And uh, Nick Ward, I think, or Bridges or Nick Ward will be assigned Bagley. And uh, it's a first true test for Bagley facing NBA-type talent. So we'll see if he can put up that 25-10 line. He's put up against two cakewalks in schools in Elon and Utah Valley. Yo, I hate Grayson Allen. That's another guy I fucking hate. Oh, <laughs> yo, he reminds me like growing up in New York of just like the pretentious kid from Long Island. Yeah. Who just, oh, you know, bitch. Yeah. Attended every basketball camp and like just a fucking asshole. He's a bitch. He was, he was one of those kids that paid, like he yeah. played because his parents paid for him. Exactly. Yes. That's like, how he made like the freshman the- team. He's fucking, my dad <laughs> is alumni here. He was nice though. He's nice. He's a great college player. Not like NBA nice. He just gotta stop tripping people. I'll stop hating him. If he doesn't trip anybody this year, I'll be, I'll, you know. It's funny because like he's still so apologetic about that. He's like, yo, I'm never gonna do it again. He wound up doing it again against like Florida State right after. Yeah, Christmas like two day. days later. Yeah. What the fuck? But uh, yeah, I like Michigan State. They're definitely the deeper team. They got Tum 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 Naren off the bench. Tum Tum. Uh, Garrett Schilling, Ben Carter, who's like a sixth year player now. He uh, he was a big transfer, fifth year transfer. Out of uh, UNLV, shout out to Vegas. And uh, he got hurt last year before the season, so he never got to play. And he ap- applied for a sixth year through the NCAA, and they granted it to him. So, um, I don't know. I, th- I think Michigan State is the deeper team. They obviously have more experience. And I think Cassius Winston will give some of their guards problems. Uh, you know, Miles Bridges presents a problem anywhere he is on the court. And Josh Langford also at the guard position. So, they're a long team. They're, all their guards are like 6'5", six, 6'6". They present problems, man. I kind of like Michigan State here. All right. And uh, we got the other one. Seven versus four. Yeah. In the AP poll. Right. That's because Kentucky's barely getting by right now. Their first two games. Kentucky versus Kansas. Who do you got in that game? Uh, probably in Kansas just because the experience. They have uh, – who are they bringing back? As of weekend, they're big men who I think will give uh, Kentucky fits. Kentucky, they kind of look – I don't want to say lost. Well, yeah, they kind of look lost their first two games. I mean, they're trying to find their own. Like, I mean, like Nick talked about before, it's been the same story. Freshmen, except that I don't think this group is uh, as talented as past freshman classes. They got uh, Hamadou Diallo, who actually came in last year. He's from New York. And uh, he was supposed to be declared for the draft before even playing, but he came back. Quade Green, who's a smaller type guard who might get bullied by these big Michigan uh, – yeah, who is, oh, Kansas by LeGerald Vick, another big guard. So he might get picked on. I just feel like these Kentucky freshmen are going to get picked on by the older, experienced Kansas team tomorrow. Hmm. What happened? I feel like Kentucky was always like the team. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? They're freshmen. I mean, maybe it's just the class in general, but their freshmen aren't as good. I mean, Nick Richards is a solid big, but I still think Nick Ward will give him work. That's probably the best matchup, I think, of this game. So, the guard matchup is all right. So I have uh, I have somebody that I know that's uh, heavily involved with the Kentucky program. Od sources right now dropping a sources bar. Look at that subtle flex. I got a guy. So there's there's words that Calipari is kind of checked out of Kentucky because he has his eyes on an NBA job and in particular the Pelicans. Didn't he look at a front office job or am I bugging? Like, he wanted head coaching and GM duties or some shit? Yeah, he wanted the Doc Rivers role. And also, he's asked for uh, a majority stake. Not a majority, but, like, to be a minority owner also in the team. So, like, he's bugging, in my opinion. But uh, I think I think him with, like, Kentucky uh, – sorry, not Kentucky, with the Pelicans would be pretty interesting if he can sell the fact that, like, 
you know, you'll have Boogie and Anthony Davis going forward if those guys decide to re-up. And that's why apparently the, the classes have been gradually getting worse and worse for him. But, like, look, he's always bringing in a, a top class anyway, but it's not as, like, highly uh, projected as the other ones in the past. Yeah, and Kansas got these, like, the older, elder statesmen. They got LeGerald Vick, Devontae Graham. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce this dude's name. I always get it wrong. Svia Mugachuk. That's the... <laughs> The European dude, as Nick says, he always needs that one token white guy to shoot the three. So he can definitely 100. knock it down from deep. And they got uh, transfer Malik Newman from Mississippi State, who was a top 10 recruit at the time and just didn't put things together at a, at a bad uh, Mississippi State team two years ago. So he found his way at uh, Kansas. And he put up, he's averaging 12 and 4 early on. And he's coming off the bench. So I think. Like I said, I just think the older experience, bigger guys. And when you're four years older at this age, it's kind of a big deal. So I think they'll give him trouble. And I, I really think Kansas blows him out here, to be honest. And A blowout. Gives Kentucky a wake-up call early in the season. Whew. Young Bucks. Young Yo, Bucks. boss, can I ask you a question? No. Okay. I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, what do you, uh, give me, like, a team that's kind of like uh, – Maybe a, a dark horse candidate. Like I, I know they're ranked right now. They're according to um, what's this poll that I have pulled up over here? Uh, the power rankings on ESPN. Wichita State. Yeah. What do you, What do you think about them? Because they're returning all of their players from a thirty-one win team last year. Yeah, and uh, they're still without uh, Landry Shamet, who's going to be a top. He's probably going to be Player of the Year in the American. So they're they're solid. They got a Frank. Cam- oh no, Shamet's back. I'm sorry. He's coming back from injury though. He's playing Frank Camp, another the token white guy to knock down the three. Um, they're set, man. They got the couple bigs. I don't remember Morris. I think I forgot his first name, but the big Shaq Morris, big heavy dude who just takes up a ton of space in the middle and can fill it up and hit the glass. So they're solid, man. I I kind of was surprised to see them as high as they were, but uh, they're a good team. They might run the table and go undefeated in a weak American conference. So they'll definitely be a top ten team all year long. My dark horse, though, if you're looking for one, probably Seton Hall, who's towards the bottom of the bottom uh, top twenty five. They're bringing back three their top three scores, um, pretty much the same team as last year. Honestly, uh, Kadeen Carrington, Angel Delgado, who who could be a player of the year and an All American, and Desi Rodriguez, all from New York. That's my squad. Uh, CHSA and PSAL all day. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they got three guys right there. They're three-headed monster. They're all seniors, too, so it's their last run at it. They've had two NCAA appearances, and they haven't won a game yet, so I think this is the year they get through. I remember one year uh, we did a bracket, and they had a bunch of dudes from New York, and Tim took them to win the whole thing. He's like, yeah, fuck <laughs> it, New York. And he lost, like, immediately. I think it was Seton Hall he took. Yeah, it was Seton Hall. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Uh, let's move to college football here. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. Before we get into these games, I just wanted to say college football is so fucking sick. Like, I know we always get into um, arguments with some of our friends because they're not fans of college football. They're like, oh, this is like the minor leagues. The like, product, whatever. yeah. They yeah, it's like, like it's not as good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, like every game is like a playoff game in college because if you lose week one, you're like either – you have to run the table and blow people out by like 40 points or your season's over. And that's like every every snap they have to go hard. So even when you're down 20 in the fourth quarter is just starting, it's not like, yo, whatever, it's just week one. Like, no, you have to win every fucking game. Like they just play like crazy hard. I love it. It's amazing. And shit, <laughs> shit, crazy shit happens. Notre Dame got their fucking ass whooped. Crazy. Uh, their season's probably fucking over. Well, their playoff hopes are over anyway. Well, that's well, yeah, what I mean. Season, yeah. Uh, Miami though, coming out of nowhere, beating the shit out of them, forty-one to eight. Insane. Uh, but yeah, I the think the Catholics versus the convicts. Part two. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Nick. Yeah, There's a great thirty for thirty on that. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. It's crazy too to think about like how how wild that era of uh, like college football was and how like not PC the media was also. <laughs> Yo, Nick, thoughts on this kid, uh, Rozier? He's a junior. He's been sitting behind Kaya since Kaya was there for since his freshman year. Yo, I think it has a lot to do with Mark Wright. And I've, uh, I've always been a fan of his. So 
I said this when he got hired, and uh, Mark Reich was criticized by the media in the South for not beating Alabama. Like, they get to the SEC championship game. He was at Georgia was before, the, just so. Yeah, he, yeah, he was yeah. at Georgia before for a long time, like over a decade. Matthew Stafford was his quarterback at the time, too, so he had him there. And uh, his biggest knock was he couldn't win the big one because Alabama was in his way. Um, no shit. <laughs> That's been the case for, like, every major powerhouse team in the last decade since Saban got there. So I thought that when he got hired, the U was going to be back. I know I've said this before, but hell no, I didn't think that this would be that quick of a turnaround. Yeah. Notre Dame, too, turning the ball over. Didn't help them. I think, I don't know, Miami probably puts themselves in the playoff along with Clemson right now, right, going to the poll this week. AP polls have them at two right now. Moved them right up there. They went from, I think, six or nine. To two? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, how this was Notre Dame's basically playoff. Yeah. This was the one game on their schedule that could put them in or break their back. And Well, we all, I, well, most of us, I, I think two of us, I think it was just me and Nick or me and Tim maybe. Oh, no, all three of us. You didn't have him in. Notre Dame? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have him in. We had him in because they don't, their only loss was Penn State. I believe at the time. No, they lost. Uh, they lost to Georgia by one. Georgia, that's what it was. Georgia, yeah, they lost to Georgia, who is another team. And yo, you know what's <laughs> crazy about this with college football, with this playoff? Like you said, Joey, every game there's so much urgency. Like you can't let up, and also you gotta hope the team that you beat doesn't fall off. Yeah. So, like for example, that Notre Dame win over Georgia doesn't look as good now because Georgia just got shellacked by Auburn. So it's like you're kind of scoreboard watching also now to hope that, oh, yo, you know, uh, um, Oklahoma, you beat Ohio State. Now Ohio State has two losses. So how much of an impressive win was that really? Right. Yeah, quality wins. Quality wins is That's another thing that's just like – so what you're saying too is like you could win games against teams and maybe have one loss and still get in. But if that team sucks, then maybe you won't get in. And on the flip side of that, you could be Wisconsin, who's ten and zero right now, but no one has them higher than well. They the coaches poll has them at four, which is no one. I don't really think anyone has them there. But they don't play anybody, and they might go undefeated, and maybe they get in, maybe not. Like they'll they'll be undefeated. They could they could literally be the only undefeated team, and who knows if they'll get in because they just don't play anybody. So if you, it's all about your schedule as well. Yo, Auburn, Alabama now. That last game of the regular season. I think that's uh, Thanksgiving week. It is, the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it's it's always that, that week in the Iron Bowl. And also, like, you know, Auburn always gets up for that game. And now they're coming off a big win where they just beat up Georgia. And, like, you look at that game, that could potentially be – that could be a rough spot for, for Alabama there. Though Alabama's playing, like – I think they're called Mercer or Mercil. It's like a, they always do like a bye week team. Yeah, so is so is Auburn though. They're playing UL Monroe. Yeah, yeah. So like right before that, they get like a like it's basically a bye week for both of these programs. But if you're looking forward, the ACC championship game is probably going to be Miami and Clemson. So one of those two is going to be knocked out. So this is going to really come down to the end. And one of my uh, strong takes on this is I think that there's going to be a two loss. Power five team in the in the college football playoff. Ooh, which one? Yeah, because I like I, I don't you know I this might sound like a homer because I've uh, made a uh, investment in Ohio State Buckeyes, but like yo, if they win the big if they win the Big Ten right, and then they beat up on uh, Michigan, they just beat up Michigan State. So if they finish off strong, where they're just rattling off these thirty point wins. That'd be that'd be tough to leave them out. Oklahoma, Oklahoma just beat Oklahoma State two weeks ago, so they have their big win. But they're also going to have the Big Twelve game this year, which is for the first time. So I don't know. I kind of feel like there might be one that, that that gets in with two losses. Yeah, Oklahoma's rolling right now. They just beat TCU this weekend too. Who was five six? So three teams in the top six lost: TCU, Notre Dame, and number one Georgia. How, what about what about Clemson? Could they be a, a two loss team that gets in if Miami ends up beating them the last week? Because their only law, their only other loss then would be to Syracuse. Syracuse. 
without so, their starting quarterback. I mean, that's what we were talking about last time when we gave our top four. You, you, Boston, I think you also had them in your top four because they lost their game against Syracuse without their starting quarterback, so that has to count for something. And then I believe they had them in the, after that, right? They put them in the top four? Yeah. So clearly that plays a role. So, I mean, if they lose to Miami, who ends up being this like powerhouse team this year who like runs the table, is there a chance that they could get in? I don't know. I think I don't think you see one ACC team in just because the ACC is so weak this year, especially with no Florida State. The ACC, there's no one like NC State is seven and three, right? That might be your best win in conference is NC State. Yeah. So it's it's a tough conference. Like teams teams in uh in the coastal Miami side of the division, like Georgia Tech four and three in conference are second behind Miami. And you got Virginia Tech three and three, Virginia three and three. So there's there's no good wins. The only good team in the ACC is NC State, and they're they're a borderline top twenty five team. So I think you only get one of them in. Like winner of that ACC title game between Miami and Clemson will probably go through. And the other one is New Year's Day Bulls. Here they come. Yeah. And, and yo, I also think like the case for Ohio State is so they're probably gonna play Wisconsin in the Big Ten game, right? The Big Ten title game. And Wisconsin might be undefeated. Say Ohio State beats Wisconsin, you're going to put Wisconsin ahead of them just because they have one loss? Like, I, I feel like there's going to be a two-loss uh, Power 5 co- uh, team that makes the college football playoff. Yo, Depending on how, like, these matchups go on the rest. You know, we have another three weeks to go. True that, true I that. Think, I think the committee's going to have uh, – I think the committee's going to be a little hypocritical here. I think that everything that they've shown you in the past, it's been quality win over, like uh, – over um big loss so and also they put an emphasis on you winning your conference if you're in the the power five so it's it's gonna be fun to see what happens well it's gonna be interesting because wisconsin would have to they play michigan this week which is their literally their only game on their schedule i see here uh they if they beat them and then end up playing ohio state and like it would kind of feel like the penn state situation last year because Wisconsin just beat Iowa handily, and Ohio State lost to them. So, I mean, that just is just an interesting Nick, thing. do you think Georgia, who likely will come out of that one side on the SEC, the SEC East, they'll probably, they're going to play either whoever wins between Alabama or Auburn that final week of the season. Like, Georgia, you got to think, is still alive, no? Yeah, I would say so. And, like, yo, looking at... I was watching some of the Alabama game, and this Alabama team, where in the past they never had those big injuries that kind of like ruins like a unit in particular. You know, we said in uh, I guess a Florida State game, they lost their they lost all three other linebackers. I think one was done for the year, but they got the others back. But a lot of them are carrying injuries. And look, Mississippi State tested Alabama like nobody else this year, and it was the first time Alabama failed to force a turnover in 37 games. So going into the Iron Bowl, I think that's going to be huge. So I I think Georgia could give them a test, yeah. That was my bold prediction too, just saying. What? The, the, I had Auburn winning the SEC this year. Yeah, that'd be crazy. You never know. There'll be, there'll be probably what, right outside the playoff picture this week. In the Did the polls come out? I don't know. As no, the, 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 Tuesday night. So oh, at okay. the time that they hear this, yeah. I still I mean, think... You know, I, I think Auburn moves up to like six seven right now after that win. A, the co- AP poll has them at seven right now. Yeah, and then if they beat Bama, yo, they're on the cusp. If they beat Bama, you you figure they got to move up to at least four. Well, shit, if they beat Bama and, and then they'll be in the title game. I think. I think I don't know what the tiebreaker is. Don't quote me, but I think it, it's head to head because they'll both have one loss. Right. Because Bama currently is undefeated in the SEC. So if, if Auburn does go through and winds up seeing Georgia in that title game and they beat him twice, how could you leave Auburn, out Auburn? Yeah, they would Auburn get in. Actually, Auburn actually has two losses, though. Yeah, but they so only have I, one in conference. Yeah, they lost at LSU, which is always a tough place to play. And then they lost uh, They lost at Clemson. So they have two pretty – I mean, the LSU is a little kind of a bad loss, but yeah. it is in conference on the road. But Clemson, you know, ranked team for sure, the national champion – but, um, yeah, they kind of control their own destiny. I think the way I would do my rankings, if it was me, I'd probably have it Alabama, Oklahoma, Miami, Clemson, and then Wisconsin and Auburn on the outside. 
Yeah, that sounds right. I have, yeah, the orders. Yo, yeah, Wisconsin and Auburn are definitely knocking on the door. With Georgia, too, right outside. Yeah. All right. I mean, we'll see what happens here. A lot of, yo, <laughs> so much shit can happen. This is why, also why I love college football. Yeah, it's week like, to week. Nick brought that up when the first bowl was dry. Like, yo, don't panic. Don't get overhyped. Don't do this. Because, yo, plenty of football still to play. It was like four or five weeks left at that time. And you see what happens, man. Teams lose. Three top six teams lost this week. It's going down. Um, all right. Let's talk about some NFL. Huh? Uh, week 10 just passed. Um, it's crazy, yo. First, let's talk about the game that you guys wagered on, the Saints and the Bills. Bills were getting, uh, yeah, they were getting three points at home. Saints have been rolling, and they just fucking steamrolled the Bills 47 to 10. Uh, what went wrong here? You guys took the Bills. What? <laughs> uh, where do we start? I mean, yo, it, uh, so Tyrod Taylor threw for just 56 yards, and then he got benched in the fourth quarter. Um, LaShawn McCoy, the last two weeks, 23 touches. The two weeks prior to that, 61 touches, and both came in victories. I've said this in the past. You want to win if you're Buffalo, keep feeding him. He's a running back that doesn't really need game script. He can still be effective because he's – progress as his career has gone on in receiving out the backfield and you had such a good matchup they actually took the lead in this game which is crazy i know it's just three nothing but you know the saints weren't really lighting it up the first couple drives of the game and drew Brees, how many yards do you think drew Brees threw for this game because this was not a drew Brees game at all yeah i know the answer he threw like he go on i was gonna say he threw 184 yards no touchdowns. My fantasy quarterback. Yeah. So and like I think Michael Thomas had 107. Uh, he had 117 yards. So he had about like 75 percent of Drew Brees' yards. Uh, it was that two-headed monster in the backfield. Yeah, these guys went off both with 100 yards. Yo, not for nothing, but that loss of Marcel Darius, like I fucking harped on the last two weeks. It's- yeah. Fucking showing big time. I mean, two hundred yard rushers in the same game. You get gashed by the Jets last week. Two seventy yard rushes, six rushing touchdowns in this game. Come on, yo, that's a big hole they've they've that's voided now without Darius. Yeah, yo, I've said this in the past about players, and you know when we're in the fantasy era, right? So a lot of people like to look at numbers like, oh, this team is ranked eighth against the run, or this team is twenty first against the tight end. You have to account the variables that don't show up on the stat sheet. And what that is, is sure. The bills have been a good run defense through week one, one through eight, but then they lose a guy like Darius. That's going to play a big role. The jets went from the number one rush defense last year to now. I don't know where they are, but I know they're not the number one rush defense because they lose Richardson. They lose some of their linebackers. So you always need to account for that stuff. Yeah. I mean, the Bills, I think it's back to same old Bills. That's I think the chances are shot now. Were they 5-5? Five 5-4. and 5-4. Five? Five and five and yeah. I mean, yo, there's, there's about like 11 teams that are still alive in the AFC. So it's really top-heavy in a way. It's, it's crazy. Got, yeah, if Miami wins tonight, I mean, Miami, I think Buffalo beat them. Or maybe they haven't. I'm not sure if Buffalo. But they'll both be 5-4. and four. So two divisions, but there's a ton of four. There's a couple four and five and five and four teams. So, I mean, Buffalo will still be in a playoff spot after at the end of this week. But, I mean, just going forward, my confidence is gone in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't know. They they always just struck me as it. There was no one who really scared me on their team besides McCoy. Tyra Taylor is kind of like a playmaker, extends plays, whatever. But but it was more about I their just, defense, too, this year. Like, their defense was Yeah, but you need to back. score points. And, like, when I'm looking at teams, like, we're talking about the Jaguars some weeks, and I'm just like, I know that their defense is elite, especially this year, and they have certain weapons on offense, but you just don't believe in Blake Bortles. You know what I mean? It's like, but that's going to be the difference, like, moving forward in, like, playoff teams. Like, when you get to playoff mode, it's like, yo, you have to score points. And the Bills, although they have a good D, they're – their offense doesn't really do it for me. I was never really on their bandwagon. 
and no one circles the wagon quite <laughs> like <laughs> I kind of thought that Charles Clay would help, but nah. T-Mobile, you don't like it. Nah. Okay, Benji's too was kind of unproductive. And he had the most receiving yards on the team. But, yo, how do we feel about the Bills? Are they, are they like, for serious this year? Is it just like... No, nah, same old Bills, cuz. No? Nah, I'm, I'm off them. I think they'll finish 500. Maybe, maybe get in at 500 if, I mean... Such a down year in the NFL, I feel like. There's no elite teams. Like we said last week, we're looking for good wins on team schedules, and it's hard to find a good win unless you're beating like the division leaders. I just Everyone's think that playing like 500 ball or one game over 500. I mean, I don't know. Sure, but I also think that, you know, Breeze is up there in age, like whatever, uh, but Ingram and Kamara, that is such a good one-two punch in the backfield. Wait, that you said the Bills. I know, but I said the Saints. I said, how do we feel about them moving forward? Are they like Bills? I said Saints. No, you didn't say Bills. That's why I was bugging about the Bills. I meant the Saints. On my Bills, like I'm Stevie Johnson. There he goes. Uh, I I I meant the Saints. The Saints win this game, you know, handily. Do we? Do we? Are they serious? Are we taking them like? Nah, yeah, they're serious. Super serious. I feel like even like Breeze is up there. So like Kamara and, and and Ingram in the backfield, like. I feel like they're good enough to like kind of shoulder the load, and if that don't, doesn't work, you have Breeze back there throwing a Michael Thomas and shit. Yeah, I need to talk to whoever thought it was a great idea to bring AP in. Yeah, that was so stupid. Since then, since he's been gone, turn up. Just punch that guy in the face. Kamara's been turning up. Yeah. They, what's the share? It's got to be like 50-50. You're close to it in touches. Yo, Kamara could run the ball. Kamara could, that's the thing about Kamara. You never know. Like It's not your traditional third-down pass catching back where – you see him on the field, and you're like, all right, they're throwing the ball here. No, he could, he could get run in there between and run the tackles, it. Yeah. yeah. Dude. And they both could catch. This is crazy. And their defense is killing. All right. Um, another one. So the Cowboys got the cock from the Falcons. 27-7. to 7. No Zeke. Things look bleak without Zeke. <laughs> uh, also, I think um, – I think this game has showed you the two most valuable players on the Cowboys. The running back, Zeke Elliott, and uh, Tyron Smith. Uh. Uh, This dude on the Falcons, Claiborne, had six sacks. Let that sink in a little bit. Like a defensive, like a number three defensive end, if he gets six sacks on the year, he had like a pretty solid year. This guy had it in one game. Yo, Nick. And my, uh, my bad to cut you off. Did you see he reached an incentive just on this game? He has an eight-sack yeah, yeah, eight incentive, and he got six. He already had two sacks. He had two <laughs> sacks through te- through nine weeks, and he got six of his game to reach his incentive. That's crazy. And he has another one coming up at 10 if he gets it, which is like $1.25 million. Yeah, and uh, all, all the Elliott replacements were kind of like all over the place. Morris got 11 carries. Uh, he seemed to be the bell cow, if you want to put it in that sense, but... Once they fell behind, he's a non-factor going back to his days with the Redskins. Rod Smith, three carries for 14 yards. Darren McFadden, one carry for minus two. Um, <laughs> Jason Witten led the team in a reception, seven for 59. And then Des Bryant, once again, a pretty a pretty solid corner. And Trufant held him in check. Four catches for 59 yards. 39. 39 yards. Oh, okay. Don't give Sorry, him too yeah. much credit. Yeah, misread that one. And, uh, you know, non-factors from Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams. And, yo, I've, we've always, for the most part, like everyone in general, just kind of just, ah, you know what, anyone could be solid behind that Cowboys offensive line. And, yo, Zeke is the real deal if you look at it like that. And now it's a lot on Dak Prescott's plate. You don't really have a home run threat. So it's going to be a lot of, like, dink and dunk or dink and Dak. As they like to say. <laughs> and what about uh, the Falcons? I mean, the defense won them this game. You know, Matt Ryan threw for 215 yards and two uh, two touchdown passes. Uh, it, it did seem a little similar to last year where a lot of people caught a pass. Taylor Gabriel, Justin Hardy, Mosa New, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper. You know, so a lot of people, he, he was throwing it around. I remember last year, I think, I think it was... Uh, Ten different people scored a touchdown for the Falcons through the air, so he was really spreading it around. It was nice to see that. They also lost Devontae Freeman early on in the game, and 
I uh, I tried to be way too cute playing DFS, and I went Freeman because the Cowboys are a pretty bad team against the run. And, you know, I think it was the first or second carry of the game. He went out with a concussion. So I just uh, I went to FanDuel. I double-tapped the middle button on my iPhone, and then I just went up on the app and just closed it, and they didn't open it up the rest of the game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a game that you thought would have fireworks, and you kind of had fireworks blow up in your hands. It wasn't really an enjoyable watch unless you were a Falcon fan. Yeah. Are you, I, for the Falcons, I mean, I, I kind of jumped off last week, but I don't know, man. They got a huge test. Coming forward in Monday Night Football, right? Going to the road in Seattle. So if they win that game, they're they're right back in the thick of things with the Saints still on their schedule twice, which I think is a huge, huge factor for, for the Falcons in terms of their division hopes. Um, but they got some true tests coming up. The Vikings are also on that schedule and the rest of the division games. So I, I don't know. It's hard to count the Falcons out. What about- I will say this, though, about that Monday Night Football game. They beat the they beat the Seahawks twice last year, and I think that Seattle coming off extra time to prepare. The last time we saw them was on Thursday night football against the Cardinals. I think that with extra time to prepare, and they have this game circled, it's going to be a, a tough spot for Atlanta. But hey, we didn't even mention this. Uh, Richard Sherman add him to the list of guys that are out, so he's not going to be out. He's not going to be out there on Monday night football, and that's big where you got to guard a guy like Julio. Yeah, I was going to say that their secondary doesn't look as scary anymore. Earl Thomas, too, sat out last game. So, who knows if he's at 100% not, too. Um, what about if you're a Cowboys fan? Are you panicking right now? If you're a Cowboy fan, you should have wanted this guy. I know he wants to defend his name and his honor, and I get that. If he's innocent, he's going to stand by it. But from a football standpoint, if you wanted Zeke, you should have wanted him to have his suspension already because this wouldn't have been an issue now. Yeah, I agree. Those are the, most, these are the biggest games of the season. You could always bounce back from a 2-4 and four start or a 3-3 three and three start. But when it comes time for November the 7th, the weather gets colder, you, you want your best players out there. Now, that's it. He's done for six weeks, and you got to find a way to get by without him. Zeke is also leaving the country so he could train and shit. So it's like he said that he was leaving the country so he could clear his mind and just train and Sick, like bro. whatever. But um, yeah, the, the Cowboys are another one of these teams that without Zeke, you look at their offense, it doesn't really, there's no one really on this offense that's like a big play threat or just a threat in general, really. I mean, Des Bryant used to be, and now he can't get separation. We talk about that every week. This backfield is like a bunch of fucking has-beens, with the exception of Rod Smith, but he wasn't doing really shit. Uh, maybe we'll see how he does. But if I'm the Cowboys, I'm kind of like, you know, it's not looking good. Not looking good for you. I don't know. You better hope. I mean, I, I think their season's on the line this week. They play Philly. If they want any any chance at, a, at, at like, maybe catching the Eagles in the division, if you, you know, if you could win those two games against Philly, then... You kind of just need Philly to drop one along the way. But I think this is a huge game for them against the Eagles. Yeah, you better hope Tyron Smith's out there because, uh, like Nick said earlier, Chaz Green got uh, devoured and spit back out by Adrian Claiborne. Slip. You don't give your quarterback time, you stand no chance. If you don't give your quarterback time, it's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next game we have here, the Texans Getting the cack from the Rams, thirty-three to seven. The Rams are now seven and two. Hello, big Jared Goff and Robert Woods game. Robert Woods had one hundred seventy-one yards and two touchdowns. Holy balls! Yo, it's crazy that these two Bills receivers went to cross the country and are balling out. Yeah. So it's like, like we talked about earlier, how T-Mobile got benched. What does that say about T-Mobile? And Jared Goff, too. What does that say about Jared Goff? You actually gave this dude legitimate, you know, weapons, and he's thriving now. You also got him a new head coach. Sure, like the new system is absolutely helping him. And incorporating Todd Gurley in the passing game and the running game is also helping him. But, uh, I mean, the Rams, their offense is, it's time to consider them as a potential NFC favorite. Yo, you know what it, you know what I've started to realize about quarterbacks? 
is outside of Brady and uh, and um, Aaron Rodgers, like Brady made Dion Branch a Super Bowl MVP. He's won Super Bowls with David Gibbons and like uh, uh, Rache Caldwell. You know, like he's been effective. For the most part, quarterbacks need help. And Goff didn't have any help last year, not from his offensive line, not from his wide receivers, and not from his head coach. Not and from his Gary, running back either, hardly. Yeah, well, Gurley. he couldn't get help. He couldn't get help from, from Gurley because the teams would stack the box against him and they dare Goff to, and Case Keenum at the time to beat him. And they couldn't because they had no weapons on the outside. So I think that this is such a great pairing. You know how I feel about the young quarterback with the young with, with uh, offensive line, and they're rolling right now, man. Seven and two, yo, you gotta start taking the Rams serious because they're also healthy. Uh, everyone from their opening day roster until now is still on the roster. No one's out with injury, so sometimes it's a lot of people say it's the hottest team i disagree i think it's the healthiest team going into december january and right now it's the rams yo nick you ready for these uh two games of the week coming up the next two weeks we got rams at vikings this week and then after that saints at the rams so i i said i've I've looked at the schedule and there's a couple of goodies coming up because we've had some whack games last couple weeks i say rams potential nfc favor we'll see how true they are these next two weeks. Uh, next game we got is the Vikings and Redskins. The Vikings beat the Redskins thirty-eight to thirty. I wanna I wanna start this off because in uh, paying homage to Tim, anytime <laughs> Tim makes anytime Tim makes a good call, we're the first ones to hear it, and he likes to pat himself on the back. So. I'm going to channel my inner Tim here and pat myself on the back on the Adam Thielen call. Uh, We saw Doug Baldwin just gash the Redskins two weeks ago, and uh, it was a slot wide receiver. They have great corners on the outside in Breland and uh, Josh Norman, and it's the slot guy that just tears up. And Adam Thielen, yo, he's no longer an upstart. He's no longer shady. He's no longer like underrated like this dude is solid eight for 166 and one touchdown only three wide receivers in the nfl have 250 yard games adam Thielen, ty hilton and antonio brown so this guy is up there we you know joe we uh we poked fun at him a couple weeks ago when you were like dude i didn't know he was second in the league in receiving yards yeah because he's a white dude you know so like we got to show him some love on this one yeah feeling Thielen no longer the the 15th round pick in From uh, August in our fantasy league. Yeah, I was just thinking that too because when he when I saw his stat line on Sunday, I was like, "Yo, this guy's gonna go in like the third or fourth round next year." <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll never forget how I got robbed of Thielen in fantasy this year from Nick. Bye, Nick. Yeah. Old Derek McGurk. I should have kept him. My team would have been better. Hey, yo, Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> yo, how about a uh, Case Keenum? Casey! He's always getting asked week to week, yo, what about your job? What about your job? You got your job next week? The bridge is back. The bridge. But, uh, yo, yo, Case Keenum, no lie, Case Keenum is starting to look like the Houston record-breaking college quarterback, Case Keenum. Yo, he's killing with them, man. I know a lot of people praise the defense, myself included, but he's got weapons. I mean, Diggs is healthy again. He put up a, a huge stat line, 78 yards and a TD. He's utilizing the tight end of Kyle Rudolph. Yo, he completed 12 passes to Thielen and Diggs alone. So if they get that run game going with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, also Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield, huge help. I mean, Keenum's doing it, I feel like. He's turned the ball over a couple times this game, but like Nick said, it's a tough secondary to throw against when you're throwing out wide. But, uh, yo, the real deal, Case, Case Keenum. I also think that the best moment of the weekend – didn't come on the field, and I think it was when uh, they showed the cut of Teddy Bridgewater crying on the sidelines. It was oh. the first time. It was the first time in 20 months that he was active for a game. And you know, you, you gotta. I I had surgery on my knee, and then I had to rehab, not to to the degree that he had to, but like you know, just if you've ever had a surgery and you have to rehab, you know how much that sucks. You know how like dark it gets, also. And uh, shout out to him, man. That was a pretty cool moment to see. Yeah, that's, that's my dope. guy. Um, also, let's move forward here. We got the 
Chargers and Jaguars. The Jaguars ended up winning 20 to 17 in overtime. I had this line at four. I just want everyone to know that. A lot of, <laughs> lot of fun. A lot of fun here. Um, But yeah. Fucking six and three. The Jags are looking good still. This is, like I said before, this team. I wish they had A Rob. Yeah, that would help on the out. Yo, they got the Browns this week too. I remember early in the season, I was talking about a couple weeks ago how the Jags were inconsistent, that they weren't stringing together those back to back efforts. Since then, they've gone 3 and 0. I mean, not the most impressive wins in the world, but since losing to the Rams, they've beat the Colts, Bengals, and Chargers. And, uh, They've only given up 24 points along the way in three games. So, like we said earlier, that defense between Bouye and uh, Jalen Ramsey out wide are are just shutting it down and allowing things for the offense to take place. I mean, we saw a fake punt this week, so they're really pulling out all the stops. Yeah. Fake punt touchdown. I mean, the Jags, along with the Titans, the Titans, too, are 6-3, and three, a team we should talk about. So it's a two-headed race for that AFC South crown. Yo, just imagine how fun this division would have been if you had Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck healthy. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're talking about four legit teams that would be putting a claim on who's the best team in that division. Yeah, it went from, like, the worst division of football a couple years ago to after Mariota got involved. And now Deshaun Watson and Leonard Fournette, like, you got stars coming in. And it's instantly turned the corners. Once everyone's all healthy, the best one of the best division in football. An interesting point to look at going like looking ahead, week seventeen, the Jaguars also play the Titans. Mm. Oh, that could be for the division. Juicy. Yo, can I say something about the Chargers? In my life, watching football, no team loses gets more <laughs> creative in losing games than the Chargers. Yeah, Yo, I know. So, why is uh, an undrafted free agent rookie, Austin Eckler, who he was solid, 119 yards uh, in total in that game. Um, He was on the field when they're trying to ice the game out, and Melvin Gordon's on the bench. And, like, I know Melvin Gordon kind of was disappointing, only 42 total yards, but who would you rather have out there to, to, you know, just secure the ball and, and hold on? Like, it looked like he got stopped and he was fighting for more yards. And then he fumbled there, and y'all, I'll never forget that because I had I had San Diego with the points uh, Monday Night Football. Well, they were literally kneeing the ball against the Chiefs, and Rivers fumbled the snap, and then the Chiefs came down and won. So, like, this team loses games like I've never seen before. <laughs> so, yeah, we saw earlier in the season, Young Ho got his field goal blocked, sending the game to overtime, then he missed one for the game winner. Yeah. So, it's... it's Tough time to be a Chargers Chargers. Tight games. They're not coming out on top of them. Um, Also, you know, me and Nick's favorite game of the week, the Giants and 49ers. 49ers get their first win, beating the Giants by 10. Um, Awesome. Just awesome shit. Ben McAdoo, that's your boy, Nick. Right? Yeah. Before we get into McAdoo, because I'm going to spend some time on that, uh, I mentioned um, Teddy Bridgewater was the best moment of the weekend. And as we break down this game, I remembered the other great moment. Uh, so Marquise Goodwin, for those of you that don't know, he caught a big, big pass. One catch for 83 yards and a touchdown. Gets into the, the end zone and he starts breaking down. And uh, him and his wife lost their son earlier that morning. He was born prematurely. And uh, that was just a pretty cool moment, man, for, you know, a a guy to go through something like that, to go out there and still be there for his team. And a team that, let's face it, they're 0-9. They got their first win. There's not much to play for. And I don't think anybody would have, like, gotten mad at him if he decided to sit that game out. And for him to be out there with his teammates, I I think that was pretty cool. That's I take back the Teddy Bridgewater moment. I think this was definitely the, the, the heartwarming moment of the weekend. Yeah, for sure. That's an emotional one. Like... I think football, like we, I know all of us can attest to this growing up, like sports, it's just your release from anything going on yep. in your personal life or any problems you're having with. Like once you're on the field or whatever, you know, on the ice, whatever sport it may be, you just forget about everything. And I feel like, you know, for Goodwin, maybe that was his thought process as well. Like, yo, because that caused, that's a lot of stress, especially for like his wife. He, he posted on Instagram about it. He's like, yo, my wife is going through a lot of, 
emotions mentally, physically, you know, and it's, it's tough. I mean, I can't even think of what it's like losing a newborn like that and uh, to go out there and play hours later. But props to Marquise Goodwin, man, and that was that was awesome to see, just like a true feel-good moment for the guy as a fan. Put the burners on Janoris Jenkins, too. Uh, I mean, Janoris Jenkins looks like he quit. I mean, Garrett Selleck, too, just ran right by him, and he – the whole Phantom th- Dove tackled him. The Giants are done. Like, uh, and obviously they're done as far as their win loss record. But I just feel mentally they're checked out. Like I don't, I don't have confidence in them moving forward in any type of game. I don't care if they're playing a high school team. I think they'd find a way to lose it. Like they just don't. They don't want to play anymore. Like I don't think anyone wants to be out there. Like they have already mentally checked out, and I feel you could tell. You could tell that they're just mentally checked out just by some of the stuff they say. It's McAdoo has completely lost the locker room. It's just it's the biggest joke in the league right now. It's bad. It's worse than the Browns, who have been a joke for the for years, but at least they're showing like some fight and, and like they have some guy. At least they're rolling with Kaiser and just like seeing you know they're trying it out. There's nothing in New York that is good right now. There is nothing in, in the Giants. Like they have mentally checked out. No one gives a shit. It's just no one wants to be out there. This guy, McAdoo, has been bad news from the moment he became the head coach. Because if you remember going back to last summer, uh, I'm pretty sure we had a segment about this, too. Because, like, Odell was posted up at Drake's crib. And he's being seen with, like, Khloe Kardashian. And he's, you know, he's a celebrity. Like, he's the most popular guy in the league. And and McAdoo, right away, our training camp came out and, like, bashed him. He throws his players under the bus every chance that he gets. Um he was like, it, it, it's just a joke. And you could just tell, like, the players had just checked out. The San Francisco offensive line didn't give up a sack for the first time since 2015. Vernon makes uh, that, that defensive line, that front, front four, makes a combined $70 million guaranteed amongst them. So that's a pretty expensive defensive line. And to not get any uh, sacks, I think it's crazy against a team that gives up sacks left, left and right. They can't guard a tight end for shit. Selleck. Four for 67 and one uh, touchdown. And uh, the bar of the weekend, he said that, I heard that I was a very popular fantasy player this week, so I wanted to live up to the hype. And uh, the Giants have given up a a touchdown to a tight end every game this year. And, Joe, do you know who comes into town this week? Big Dick Trav. Travis Kelsey. So, uh, bedtime. (laughs) Yeah, no. Hammer that. Everyone play that. That's going to be a blowout. It's going to be bad. But, uh, yeah, I think McAdoo needs to get the fuck out. Just like, yeah. just a I safe feel- face, man. No one wants to play for this dude. Yeah, I feel bad for Eli, too, man. As much as he's getting, he doesn't deserve this. No one no one deserves to be out there with the, you know, Sterling Shepard, a, uh, a career high, sorry, 142 yards and 11 receptions. And uh, Evan Ingram, it's nice. It's kind of reminded me of that Odell Beckham Jr. year where it was like, you know, his rookie year where the Giants were out the playoffs, pretty shitty. But, you know, you tuned in and you saw a guy perform week in, week out. And that's that's what you're getting with Evan Ingram. And he's only a rookie. But, yeah, the team is just, uh, they've tapped out. And Eli Manning don't deserve this. He deserves better than uh, the treatment he's getting. Yeah, it's it's not good. We, we need to get McAdoo out of there. No one likes him. <laughs> it's bad. I've never even seen such shit like this before. It's really crazy. Dysfunctional. It's very dysfunctional. It, it's it's just like, I don't know. I've just never seen it before. I've never seen a team look so checked out and be a team that was so hot coming into the year, completely shit the bed, and now they just don't want to be out there, and it's so obvious. I don't know. For, for me, I was a non-Giant fan. I know you two are Giant fans, but just to see it from the outside, like the Giants are one of the few, like the Giants and the Patriots and – I mean, they're model organizations when it comes to the NFL. So to see such dysfunction coming from them is kind of, it's it's weird. It's different. Like, I've never seen this before in my lifetime growing up watching the Giants. It's, or be, reading, you know, being in New York media. I've never seen anyone rip the Giants as much as they do now with Ben McAdoo. With Jerry Reese, the roster he put together, not addressing the needs in the offseason. Like, you never saw this before from the Giants, ever. Yeah, I just think it's like it's got to be the coach. <laughs> it's got to. I mean, it's a lot of people, but it also is the coach. But yeah, um, 
as for the rest of week 10, we're not going to go through game by game, but uh yeah, there's there's not there's not much else going on here. A lot of the week games the, the Bucks the Bucks beat the Jets. Titans go to 6 and 3 like I said earlier. Right. Titans go to 6 and 3 against the Bengals. Lions beat the Browns. The Browns are the Browns, by the way. Uh Packers beat the Bears. Steelers beat the Colts, which we Kind of saw it coming. Uh, nothing too crazy. Broncos, another team that I think is just like, all right, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like we have, we're what's going on there? That defense you see, right? Highly retouted, highly regarded. I mean, you have Brock Osweiler on on the other side of the ball, and it's just like, dude, how much? How many times are you going out there so quickly after taking a seat? You know, time of possession. Yeah, they're tired. I mean, and you, there's no chance of coming back once you go down. And I feel like you're kind of seeing that now in their in their play. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is our recap show uh, for this week. Nick, where can they find you? Lambion10 on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Snapchat. And boss? At Endovito27 on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter at Joe Santagato. Go follow Tim also at Timbo Tim Petrop on everything. And... Yeah, we'll see you guys on Friday. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.